Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are looking forward to another episode with you, especially in a week like this. And Tiffany and I have really enjoyed journeying with you guys on the Formation Series. It's been fun to get your messages and hear what people are saying. Um, I got several messages this week about my Southern accent coming out on last week's episode, and apparently <laughs> that was a lot of fun for people. So I'm really glad to hear it. And it has been a joy to talk through how we learn from God, how we unlearn and relearn, how we've been formed in God's image, and how we continue to pursue him to be formed in God's image. And because of the events this week, the trial of Derek Chauvin, we just thought it would be a great opportunity to talk about justice. And if you're new to the Why Though podcast or may have joined us through Tiffany's book launch or something earlier this year, it's no secret that we are passionate about justice. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we love justice and it's been a vital part of both of our lives for a very long time. And, you know, my friend Ruthie Johnson talked about this um, on Twitter and we messaged about it a bunch, but with the with the Derek Chauvin, Chauvin trials, she talked about basically how this is accountability, but we are still working for justice. And I think that that is a great way to start this episode is thinking through, you know, finally, whether it's women or whether it's police brutality, you know, um, whether it's something else in the system, I feel like we're finally getting to a place where we are just doing the minimum, where we are holding people accountable for the, the harm that they cause and the things that they do wrong. And we are still working towards justice, but we want to celebrate every small win that we have yeah. and every time you know we see the system work in a way it was actually maybe not designed to but does do what it's supposed to do I want to celebrate that yeah and at the same time I I felt no joy you know even though it's it's good I'm I'm so glad the verdict is guilty on all counts but I felt no joy <laughs> I felt filled with you know pain and grief that we have to go through this again and I just yeah, I thought this would be a good place for us to talk about something that is so important, something that's on all of our minds, something that's filling up the social media feeds that I'm sure yeah. all of you are talking to your friends and family about, that you're discussing over the dinner table, that you're in the comment section about. It's important that we talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure there's any such thing as quick justice. No way. There's no quick pill that you can take where everything's fixed. There's no, yeah, this is just not a quick fix. And uh, as you were describing the feelings you felt watching that verdict yesterday, I I want to add one word to that that I felt because I felt very, very much the same feelings, but sorrow, felt such sorrow thinking that this shouldn't even be happening in the first place. This man should be alive. This is just so heavy. And I thought, man, t- yesterday afternoon was either going to be riding in the street or and America imploding or or sorrow. I didn't know I didn't think that there was maybe another feeling or way. It just it was still so heavy. And and I do I am I hope we are all continuing to pray for his family and for anyone who's been criminalized and victim victimized in such a way in such a manner, but the truth is just like Ashley said, accountability is this first step that we've seen today. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, yes, this past week mm-hmm. and it's it's just one step it's just one step, making the system, bending it to work as it should, not as it was or as mm-hmm. it is. And uh, it's, it's interesting, actually. Uh, one of the comments I got when I posted something yesterday on Instagram was, well, where's the forgiveness? 
this lady said to me after I posted about justice, like, well, where's the forgiveness? As if justice and forgiveness are on opposite sides of the coin. Yep. As if they aren't working together. And it's just so, it still baffles me and it just confuses me that we have put justice in a vacuum divorced from any other value of the kingdom. And that's not as it should be. It is deeply, deeply entrenched in the way of Jesus and in the way of kingdom values. And 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 it should be just central to all of us. And so obviously we know a lot of you, if you have a if a lot of you are, are followers of Jesus, and we would just re- just take that time to remind you that justice and accountability and forgiveness, they are not divorced or isolated from one another. They must all work in sync together. And there's a time and a place for each one. But forcing forgiveness before there's been repentance, forcing forgiveness without any sort of recompense or retribution or redress is is not biblical, quite frankly. It's not biblical. And this push for quick forgiveness is something that um, I have had to be in my bonnet for a long time about this. Uh, but it's something that in this particular case as well, and I believe it was Brian Zahn, he, he posted on Twitter yesterday, incredible pastor and just thought leader and culture shaper in, in matters of the gospel. He talked about just the witness of the black church to the world is not something that we even deserve. The witness of their resiliency and their grace, it's not, it's, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the goodness that they put on such a mainstream platform of just how beautiful it is and, and let it, let it be so, but, but to, but to put people in a position where you must forgive, you must, you must move to a place for forgiveness, whether it's uh, those who are hungry for justice or those who have been harmed. It's, uh, it's, it's again, as Ashley said, accountability comes first. Accountability comes first. And being held for the charges that you have committed. And, and also, I think there's room where we'd love to use denial. I think um, another thing that's been in the news this week is out of the Harvey Weinstein case, there's now coming policy to be voted on. Uh, to push for what does consent look like in the workplace. And I don't mean consent in the matters of sexual misconduct, but consent because so many men in the workplace say, oh, I didn't know that made a woman feel uncomfortable. Oh, I didn't know that she didn't like that when I talked to her like that or spoke down to her like that. Or I didn't think that that was unacceptable. That's often a card many men have played. And this lays out very specific examples of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. And so... uh, it, it just just even proving that point again, like denial has no place. And then to go from denial to forgiveness, uh, we're we're missing some steps there. And uh, accountability, I think, is again, such a vital step that can't be overlooked. It is. I wrote an entire chapter in my next book, which I think you guys are going to really love. And it's called Woe to the Offender. Mm. And I wrote this chapter because of exactly what you said. And I open up talking about, you know, the the school shooting. I don't know if you guys remember this that happened with the Amish um, families and a a gun, a, a shooter went in, opened up on all of these families and pretty quickly the families were open to forgiveness. And then I talk about several other things like that, different cases where somebody had a family member who died and pretty immediately you know, the, the Charleston Nine, like several different places in our recent history where people were pressed to do forgiveness. Um, and it was a really great chapter because I think that that is what we tend to jump to. And especially mm. if, if 
we've where it doesn't agree with our politics. People want it to happen even more and even quickly. And so I make the case in right. here about this because Jesus does say, forgive seven times 70. He does encourage us that if Absolutely. we even have anger in our own heart, we have committed murder. He tells us if we have lust in our own heart, we have committed adultery. I mean, Jesus is not playing games, period. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. he also says in a passage of scripture, woe to the offender of the little ones. And he basically says that it would be better for them to, you know, tie basically like for the mafia to put cement around their ankles and throw them off into the sea than it would be for us to wound one of the little ones. And so I believe that we do very often skip over, you know, what our harm has done to people and to communities. And so I think it's really beautiful that these families who have gone through hell would get up and, and have the courage and the guts to forgive. And we know because forgiveness is a habitual practice and something that has unleashed freedom in my life. We know that forgiveness gives us our power back in so many ways, but it is the way that the Christian community uses that forgiveness to make a point that bothers me so badly. Mm. And I think that we have to get out of that habit. Like, look, oh, he forgave. You know, it's like, great. That's wonderful that they're offering extending forgiveness so they can move on with their life, so that they can practice what the Bible actually says, but it doesn't make the harm less. It doesn't make the event less. It doesn't make the circumstance less. And it doesn't mean that people should not be responsible for what they have done. And I think we do this on very, very small levels, and we do this on very, very big public levels. But we have to recognize that, yes, the Bible encourages forgiveness. And at the same time, the Bible also tells us that God is the ancient of days and that he is keeping a record and that he is just and that he, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, like there is scripture after scripture letting us know that God will deal with us and that he will hold us accountable. And thank God his mercy doesn't look like mine. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that God is going to let people off the hook for their poor Mm. behavior. And if you think about Matthew 25, you know, where it talks about the different things that, you know, we can do in in the name of the Lord to offer someone water, to offer someone respite, to offer someone to go visit someone who's incarcerated. And then it shares all these these examples. And he tells one group of people, you know, you did this in my name. And they're like, when did I ever do this for you, Lord? And then he tells another group of people, bye, I never knew you. Because everything that they did was to get a public reaction. Everything that they did was devoid of the real love of God. And so I think that we all have to start examining is what is inside of us matching what's on the outside of us. And I think the downfall of social media during our generation is that it does not prompt you to be reflective and it does not prompt you (laughs) to think through your own stuff, what you need to forgive, what you need to ask forgiveness for instead of immediately jumping on that bandwagon. And so I think if the world we're living in is not making us more sober-minded and less prideful, I think that we're missing God and I think that we're missing the movement of God. And it's important for us to really draw ourselves back to integrity, which I believe is a strong pillar of justice. Oh, that's so beautiful. So well said. I want to add to your Matthew 25, Matthew 23, 23, and it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and Mm -hmm. cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Yes. These you ought to have done. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He groups those. It is it is it is a sign, it is a benchmark of faithfulness to act justly. It is a benchmark of faithfulness faithfulness to offer mercy. Just as you said, those are not those are not one without the other. They are a sign of of goodness. And I also love what you said about of course it's beautiful that forgiveness on a on the world stage is being offered. That is mm-hmm. that is so beautiful. But the idea that that's the only path of holiness is is forgiveness in that particular way. Mm-hmm. And that those who have to process and maybe get mm-hmm. to that place is they're less spiritual, they're less righteous, they're less holy. That's that's where I think it can get so dicey and really uh, make people just feel less and feel like they're not, uh, that their harm does not matter. And yep. that what, just like you said, that what they've gone through, that the side effect of that quick forgiveness that their people are pushed to is not recognizing the severity of that harm, just as you said. And I think that that can, that's where some real damage can be done. Yep. And um, and I pray, I pray that just as you said, as we all watch this this event unfold, the whole world is watching, not just mm-hmm. America, the whole world right. is watching th- yep. this trial. The whole world is watching what happens. What does justice look like in the year 2021? What does it mean in this moment, in this time in history? Because history will not forget this. What we are talking about right now, people are going to be reading about in 100 years. I yep. mean, 2020, 2021, like... This is wild, y'all. We are living history right now. And to look at ourselves and say, who am I in this moment in history? What do I stand for? Who will I be? What will I do? What will mark me? What will lead me? What will guide me? What will be my guiding principles? Mm -hmm. It matters. It matters. It does absolutely matter. And I love that you brought up that scripture too. That is also in my chapter. (laughs) Because it's exactly that. It's like, you know, how do we skip over, like, how do we work for a gnat and skip over the camel, guys? Like, but isn't that so true to who we are? And I'm putting myself in that category. I think that we can all do that. We can zero in on the things that don't matter and we completely disregard the things that do. And, you know, I was reading this morning in Philippians and it was just talking about like a version of it says, you know, in Philippians 2, it says, do not impress others. Like just, just stop being a person who tries to impress people. And I, I always, I repeat that to myself whenever I'm actually preparing a message message or a sermon is that that's what I kind of think through the whole time. I'm like, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to sound smart. I'm trying to make an impact. I'm trying to help people change. I'm trying to love them and serve them and help them grow. And so that's the other lens of justice. You know, like we don't do justice because it sounds cool on the internet or to sound smart to other people. It's like we are doing justice because it matters. It matters to families and it matters to people. And it's not um, something that God is, is like doing on the side it's it's mainstream gospel <laughs> mm, yeah it's not no it's side beautiful. hustle no it's side not hustle. a side hustle it is mainstream gospel and i think this is a great week to really think about that and yeah. i all of our politics i think have really clouded this the last couple of years mm. especially that and that's not new if you track the evangelicals yeah. like from the 70s mm. on you guys this Come is on. so normal for evangelicals to a mesh politics there's historical record of all of it <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you feel like oh it's never been more political no that's not true we do have social media but back then news was what people watched you had do you guys remember your parents watching nightly news like if you were in a home <laughs> that did that where you like it's the six o'clock news and then in the morning you had x amount of news and you know they're reading the paper at the breakfast table or at lunchtime and you know people have always sought out ways to stay engaged with the world yep and that 
that is what's important to us. It's like, how are people wanting to stay engaged with the world? How do you want to stay engaged with the world? And how does that connect to the people who are around you? Because right now you have a diff- a, an opportunity to make a difference, like to be able to be a soft place for somebody to land, to be able to offer respite to someone who's in def- desperate need of it, to offer living water to someone who's thirsty. Like we have this beautiful opportunity in this difficult world we're living in to be a light for others. And it's not some cheesy cliche gospel thing. It's like, this is, this is actually why we're here. Like, can I lift your burden? Can Mm. I ease your pain? Can I offer, you know, a balm, a salve for that thing that is hurting you? And that is the point, you guys. It's not so we can argue about, you know, what's right and what's not right, what's political, what's not political, what's justice and what's not justice. You know, it's like, stop it. You know, stop, stop, stop. And let's just continue to, to love each other. Because again, love is another pillar of justice. It's like you have integrity, doing what you say, saying what you mean, and love being this beautiful gift that we offer the world world and that's part of justice it's a pillar I love what you said earlier you said it's a ritual yes it's not a one-time thing that's just so beautiful it's not something we do it's it's who we are so in these next 10 minutes uh what would you say are some of the formative practices that helped you make justice a part of who you are I know you've got some great books that you that I I mean Mm -hmm. she this woman I feel like your side hustle could be book recommendations Mm -hmm. Um, but there's some I feel like there's some foundational books that you've even recommended to me that radically transformed my understanding of justice as central to the gospel I'm thinking of the very good gospel by Lisa Mm -hmm. Sharon Harper being one of them Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a few others that I think would as we talk about formation um, what are some that formed because so many of mine are are from you recommending them to me yeah I was thinking maybe you should go first (laughs) yeah I mean I think that um you know the first kind of book that I read that was deeply impactful for me was one of John Perkins's book. Oh yeah. Um, Let justice roll down actually. And I loved that book. That was so formative for me. And then he has another book about community development. Um, it has like five practices to do when you actually want to do like the just work in a neighborhood. And those were pretty formative for me. And then of course, Lisa Sharon Harper, the very good gospel. But I would say like, if I had to pick one person besides Lisa, who has just fundamentally wrecked my life in the best way, he would for sure be Walter Brueggemann mm, and, mm. you know, the prophetic imagination journey to the common good. He has beautiful preaching books. Like he is an old Testament scholar and he knows what he is and he doesn't apologize for it. And he helped me make sense of difficult passages in scripture because I never really, you guys, I've talked about this before, but I never really understood characters like Solomon. I'm like, why are we making a whole prosperity gospel out of this guy? Like he's Mm. so greedy. He's a terrible person. Like everything ends wrong. Why are we making him this like guy that we look to for how to live our lives? Like, no wonder Christianity got wrecked with all these <laughs> mega pastors, you know, studying a man like Solomon in the same way that Solomon got wrecked by studying Pharaoh. It's like, mm-hmm. this is how it happened. So Walter Brueggemann, Dr. Sung Chan Ra, and then oh, the yeah. other formative Wait, can thing. Can you remind me then, is it the... Pro- uh, the New Evangelicalism and the Prophetic Lament. So he lament. has, that yeah, Prophetic Lament. And then he has um, New Evangelicalism. And then he also did a book um, with Mark Charles, who's indigenous, and um, to, to, to America, like his lineage is indigenous. And he is just... I love him. He's hardcore, but they did a book together recently um, called Unsettling Truths, which is wonderful read. Um, But what really changed me, I think, is actually doing the work. And so here's what I mean. I got involved in a cohort um, years ago with um, a professor at at, um, Fuller here in 
um, Los Angeles and I ran with these guys for a year. So I got to learn like some good theology and some good just practices. And there were a bunch of folks doing community development together. And we were all kind of running in our own lanes, but to be with one another in the work, I actually learned how to do lament. You know, it's one thing to read it in a book, but I actually practiced lament with them for a year. And I actually journeyed with them about how to care for my soul and how to cultivate a love for my enemy and how to, you know, all the all the biblical practices of justice that are difficult and all the unhurried practices that are necessary to do justice. I feel like that is the group that really fundamentally helped inspire that in my life and allowed it to take um, its formative work. You know, like it, it allowed everything to lock into place. I love it. And so I really that internal posture before you ever absolutely. actually put it into practice. Well, we were doing the work at the same time. So I think that oh, that's, I love that. Yeah, because I was already like serving in our community and city. So it I think it's a little both and right. Like I I definitely am more of one of those tactile learners. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but if I just hear it on audio or I'm, you know, just listening to a sermon or something, it doesn't become alive for me until I do it. So I love to learn and do at the same time. So those like kind of cohorts work beautifully for me. <laughs> um, but I think that's part of it and then keeping people in my life would be the other thing I would say who are also passionate about justice because if you are passionate about justice you need a safe place to like yep. let it down and not have to feel like you have to um you know tweak every word I like people who anger is an okay response to pain and I like people who grief is an okay response to pain instead of feeling like I need to clean it all up before I can express it and there's a place for that you guys hear me but I need people close to me who are passionate about justice and that also has formed me greatly in the image of Jesus mm, that's so beautiful one of the things that I often <laughs> send <laughs> Ashley through voice memo is when I get I get so frustrated with the the outrage on the interwebs of people who aren't doing anything. Oh, and she totally. gets these voice memos from me. I'm like, Ashley, I can't deal. These people mm -hmm. are happy to get on their soapbox, but when you ask them to go truly integrate into their community mm -hmm. and show up for their neighbors, they would do no such thing. And I, I'm just like, man, this just, I can't deal with it. And she's heard me. I mean, and this is a girl, y'all, she's doing the things. But it was mm -hmm. just like, I. this is something I'm like, in this day and age, we almost feel this odd sense of productivity if we get mad online about injustice. Right. But that has to get offline into our real life. And one of the things I wanted to bring that up, the reason why is because you just so perfectly said, not only was it, you know, mentally and soulfully processing the life of justice in your life, the inner working of justice, but it was also doing the things. It was also mm -hmm. being present in your community and contributing to a cultural shift and change for the benefit of all. And that that doesn't happen solely online. Now, do I believe that there's a place for Twitter activism, Facebook, Instagram of course. activism? Of course, of course. But when that's the... <laughs> that's the entirety of the the work then that then we're definitely missing something it has to translate into real life I agree. You know, Brene Brown has one of my favorite quotes and just just a warning here for what I'm about to say. She says, if you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. 
Oh, come <laughs> so, on. Come on quote. now. I think about Those Renee all the time. Those like, people. <laughs> right? Because I'm just like, man, I think about that often when, when those things happen, Tiffany. And I know you know this because you get critiqued as well. And many of us do. You don't have to be a public figure for somebody to cre- critique you. That's a normal right. part of culture right now. And it just like it's become norm at the dinner table. I mean, it's, it's out of control, mm-hmm. you guys. But I think about that all the time. I think to myself, is it even worth engaging with this person? Because they are not even in the arena. Like they are not down here getting their butt kicked, whether it's the church or it's justice or it's, you know, I don't know, building community, whatever it is. I'm like, they're not getting their butt kicked. I'm not going to waste my time. Come on now. Come on now. I actually have to bring up a specific example of this because I thought of it this morning, knowing we were talking about justice. Um, A couple years ago, I posted about a woman who did the most and wrote books and loved people and made space for the marginalized to have a voice in publishing and on the speaking circuit, truly an amazing woman who passed away very young. And I posted a lament for this woman and thinking about she had two young children when she passed away. And uh, somebody came for me on Facebook and like, blew up my entire comment section, commented on everyone who commented, and then came for me. She's like, how dare you, as a public figure, as somebody who stands for faith and justice, uh, weep for this woman who didn't really stand for the true gospel and just tore me down. So I just started deleting him because I'm like, first of all, no place for this. We're lamenting for someone who's passed away and has two little babies. And she was even nursing at the time. And that broke my heart. Oh, just as a mama. You know what I mean? Just the whole yes, thing. Yes, I do. And, uh, and so I just kept deleting them. And I'm like, this woman feels like she is like a vigilante. She feels like she is in the name of justice and truth and the gospel coming for me and publicly shaming. Do have I ever met this person in real life? No. Have I ever had a conversation? Has this have I ever broke bread with her? No. But she just is like, how dare you? I just publicly shaming me. And I was like, nope. If you're not in the ring, just like you said, if you're not in the ring doing the thing, I I have no ears to hear. I have no ears to hear. Yep, I've, I completely agree. And I will, Tiffany knows this about me, and many of you do too. I'll go back and forth in the comments with someone who I think is reasonable because I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to talk and have a dialogue, let's do it. But in a case like that, it's like you're not even being reasonable. Like, this is right. a human being who passed away. Like, are you kidding me? I would have mm-hmm. been so upset. I'm glad you didn't give her the time of day because it's, it's so upsetting, you guys. Like, that's what happens when we lose our humanity because we want to be right yeah. or we want other people to be right before we'll value their life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. That's why I can't with Mm-mm. the folks who have so many comments about who George Floyd was in the past. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. Well, who was I in the past? An addict? Someone who's done so many things wrong? And if you guys did that to me after I died, I hope that I come back and haunt you in your pantry <laughs> and scare the crap out of you because that's terrible. Like it doesn't, because somebody does things wrong, doesn't mean that they we shouldn't value their life. And also yeah. how prideful, like you're getting everything right i mean i can't mm. now i'm on a tangent mm. i'm so sorry but we forget an image bearer our, our is an image bearer is an image bearer is Correct. an image bearer is an image bearer yes Full stop Full and stop. stop forgetting your brokenness you know Come on. my daddy would say don't act like your crap don't stink okay <laughs> like listen <laughs> stop playing games you guys know it's a great episode when Ashley comes in with someone from her family, extended family. True. Who comes with in the, with, with the, the one-liners. The yes. one-liners. That's the my one-liners. favorite. They're the best. <laughs> and if they're from true. your grandma, extra bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. To, the, to your point, though, 
if there is room for dialogue, there can be room Let's for have learning. it. Let's freaking have it. There can be room for it. learning. Yes. There can be room for education. Because Absolutely. We're, we, not all of us got this 100. We don't all got this 100%, right? That's right. So if there's room to learn, I am grateful when someone says, oh, actually, did you know this? Or maybe this additional information would help form your understanding mm-hmm. of this issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had several friends in the last, goodness, month privately DM me on even colors I've used. They say, hey, this this is associated with this. And maybe you might want to consider that. And I'm like, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. There's call in versus call out, right? And there's room for that. And and just as we are all on a journey, just like she said, this is a ritual. We're learning. We're evolving and yeah. understanding the heart of God. And there's room for there's room for understanding. There's room yeah. for getting it wrong as long as we're committed to getting it right. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. That we should just wrap it up right there, homies. We love y'all. Thank you for joining us again for an episode of Why Though? And we cannot wait to be with you again next week. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.